When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, this is Ryan Fraser. This is Troy Daly. This is Gus Boyet. This is Don Hutchison. This is Jurgen Klopp, and you're listening to the big interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jurgen. I travel to all these interviews from Barcelona, and our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast wouldn't happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to join us, to become a socio, and to get every interview we produce without adverts and before it goes out on the main feed plus lots of bonus content including the chance to put questions to our guests and to me via the monthly Q&A so do please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and join the club and get your family and friends to do so maybe even strangers in the street love you Hi there, welcome back to the big interview with me, Graham Hunter. Our guest is Graham Lasso, and this is part two. If you didn't hear him describe the work he's currently in charge of as part of the board at Mallorca, please catch up with part one of this interview. It's a cracker. This time, however, we focus more on his personal story. That means Blackburn Rovers, title winners, and Kenny Dalglish, the manager who made that team. But Graham played more for Chelsea than any other club, and his role today as an analyst for the American broadcaster NBC has given him the chance to watch a lot of Thomas Tuchel's Champions League winners. But we begin this part of the interview talking about the dark side of dressing room culture. Our discussion came at the start of the story around racist bullying that engulfed Yorkshire Cricket Club, and then indeed English cricket, and I wondered what Graham thought of it, as he'd documented in his autobiography the bullying he experienced during his playing career. In fact, if we're honest about this, although we don't talk about it in the interview, Graham's book still makes harrowing reading. The way in which people, not just the infamous incident with Robbie Fowler, which was so badly ill-judged and so badly handled by the football authorities, not just that. If you go back to Graham's book and read about how he was treated by fellow players in his own team, it's genuinely shocking. How he withstood it, why he remains open and interesting, and 
happy to talk about these experiences. Well, for my money, that tells you a huge amount about his character. Maybe some of the things he's got to say here will be helpful. I hope so. Graham Lasso has been a special guest in the big interview. Hugely enjoyable. He's a bright man, extremely articulate. I would hope we'll be able to chat again. For the moment, make the most of Graham Lasso part two on the big interview. If you've enjoyed it, leave a review. Tell friends, tell enemies, tell bullies. See if they change their ways. Above all, tell people you like. The big interview is here for all of you. I don't want to be particularly abrupt, but um, I've been watching the... um, Because you you come from somewhere. You're like this now because of uh, a myriad of experiences Mm. when you were a player, which went from atrocious to the best. Mm. I've been watching uh, recently the the scandal, that's the right word, at Yorkshire Cricket Club, Mm. whereby you you, you talked about one of the things Mm. you can do is just explain about dressing room culture and, Mm. and so on and so forth. Because the dressing room, surviving dressing rooms, I don't think people understand. Mm. I also don't think that in football it's now any longer at any elite club quite what you had to experience, particularly at at Chelsea. I think that's gone. But it's interesting, just as a sideline, maybe you don't care about cricket, maybe you haven't really paid much attention to Yorkshire. But what they're doing as they unfold each layer is finding... A deep-rooted culture where certain people, in this instance, people of a different nationality or roots or skin colour, didn't matter. And a number of things were done, which now people are rolling back and saying, well, it was James the Dunn thing Mm. and it was only a joke and all that shit. Have you been paying attention to it and does it um, equate a little bit to the... Because you went through a spell where, you know... Graham was so successful, articulate footballer, lifting trophies mm. with Blackburn, ultimately with Chelsea, playing in a beautiful England team. That didn't equate to how you began. Mm. And in the sport that's so beautiful, that's got you now involved in Mallorca, doing things that energise you and you talk about, and obviously clearly inspire you. Mm. The football has also got a really <laughs> ugly face that was yep. pushing at some pretty psychological buttons yeah, yeah. when you were a youngster. Yeah. In that mis- mishmash of a vague mm. question <laughs> I was watching Yorkshire and thinking of yeah, you yeah, after yeah. the research we'd done yep. no, it really resonates it really resonates because it's, it's born from I think the same uh, the same ignorance in many ways and, and, and also I think un, unchecked culture we talk about culture a lot aren't mm. we this culture is left behind in many ways but it, but, it, but, it's, but it hasn't been challenged and I think the good thing for, you know, dare I say, the good that can come from the Yorkshire mm-hmm. experience is that it's given an opportunity for everybody who has felt victimised by the language that was used and the racism that, that, yeah. um, that they suffered, um, have the opportunity now to, to, to let get that weight off their shoulders and actually say, this is how it affected me. So that, I think, must be a, cath- a cathartic experience for, for these players. Um, but also it's an opportunity and you've got to you've got to suffer as a sport to get to the bottom it's an opportunity to get to the bottom of it mm-hmm. within cricket so if it's if it's one club fine if it's not fine I don't mean fine but if it's one club 
then deal with the one club. If it's culturally within cricket, then get to the bottom of it. Because until you get to the bottom of it, mm-hmm. you can't start to really rebuild. Because Re-educate. there's always going to be that resentment and that fear that, that you know you start to re- recover and then something else comes and escalates the, the problem that, that has been exposed. So I think it's really important that they get to really get to the bottom of this. Um, in terms of yeah, dressing room cultures, I think that you know when I was playing, you know, everyone talks about banter, don't they? This is like the, the sort of the buzzword around any any of these discriminatory sort of. So it was just banter. That's a brutal but, word. But, but the problem is that that again, if people are allowed to use certain language that is degrading, stereotypical, um, and the person that's on the receiving end of that has to just sit there and take it, then effectively it's bullying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so whether that person raises it the day it happens or 10 years later that person's been damaged by that experience and felt that they've had to put up with something that's unacceptable but they don't have the right or the power within the dressing room to stand up and say what 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 you say why are you saying that and to challenge it because there's enough of a culture that protects the the person that's um that's doing that now i think a lot of people get caught in not saying anything, even if you know they become part of the problem because they don't say anything, even if they're not the the, the victim. If I keep, a, I'll just keep my head down here, and they might even join in. Yeah, but join in because the the actual bully. It's is, safer. Exactly, and and it's hard for people because I know from I know myself within football, if you're a young player and you're hearing abuse, you've got to you've got to think. Well, do I step in out of principle? because I want to but actually if I step in I then get become the target of the abuse and I'm trying to get into the first team so in a way everything is geared up to stop people actually standing up and saying oi this is enough you know football has changed football is so cosmopolitan now in terms of the type of players their backgrounds the um, their awareness the consequences that's part of it of, 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 of stepping over that line um, and and I would say that, that you know football in the terms of the dressing room is in a really good place around that. But it doesn't mean there won't be challenges. It doesn't mean somebody won't say something thinking they're being funny, whereas actually they're being offensive. Um, and that's I think you've got to almost then look at that on a more of a sort of a case by case basis and, and how that's managed and policed within a dressing room. Um, I think with cricket, it's, it seems pretty obvious that there's, there's this historic problem that they need to get to the bottom of. And I think it's, as I said, I think it's a real opportunity for those people that have been har- harbouring this, this sort of um, pain to actually create a, 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 a level of accountability. It doesn't make any sense to me, Graham, at all, because if I'm making the contrast mm. usefully or accurately from your first days at Chelsea, mm. there were only really... Th- bad thing you did was to be different and articulate mm. initially mm. and you came into a, yeah, bad thing, a yeah. yobbish <laughs> drunken mm. kind of climate where it was like here's somebody to have a little bit of fun with bish mm. bash bosh but like with racism now and I don't mean to draw us into the cricket thing because neither mm. of us would necessarily be expert but I grew up watching English cricket and I'm a little older than you but mm. you know initially I was watching Haynes and Greenwich mm. who were playing not just West Indian cricket, they were playing, I, think, I guess, Middlesex and Clive Lloyd was captain mm. of Lancashire. And was there a more popular player in English cricket at that stage than mm. Viv Richards mm. down at Somerset? And, and yet, these guys have been picked on because they've got, you know, 
Pakistani origins mm. or Asian origins. I'm talking about the early 70s. Yeah, yeah. And here we are where that's mm. some sort of... I don't understand how that's No, and, and again, I think it's very difficult to, to relate to anyone that uses language that you would find immediately, you know, offend, you know I would find lang- that sort of language immediately offensive. Now... I do know that there are times when you, if you're in an environment where that language is being used, you wouldn't challenge it. And that's wrong. Does that make me part of the problem? Mm. Maybe it does. But equally, it's not as easy as just saying, you know, right, I'm going to stand up and say something here because there is a hierarchy within, within yeah. sport. And, and I'm not saying that's an excuse, but I think sometimes it's difficult for, for, for people that are in a team to be brave enough to stand up and defend someone when it's clear that what's been said is out of order. Now, I don't know how you square that circle. Um, because, and, it, and it's something where I think this is where you need better protocols around that sort of stuff to prevent it to start with and then to deal with it when it happens. Because, mm-hmm. because I suppose I look at whether it's a cricket player or whether I look at it through my own experience. Could I have been a better football player if I hadn't have gone through what I went through in those early years? Could I have, could I have got into the first team quicker could I have would I have been more confident would I have felt part of a, more, of a, more part of a team in that period of time and probably yes I would have done um, you know with the cricket players would they have succeeded would they, would they have been more successful if they'd felt more included I don't I, that, is this that's quick, was what you them. said about Kubo and Kangen because you talked about them to need to feel that the mm. risk reward ratio of taking a chance mm. on the ball doesn't come into a culture where like, you'll be blamed. Mm. So back to, you know, let's call it the early, late 80s, early 90s. Mm. And you, had you not been in a climate whereby for literally no reason people mm. were after you and mm. let's have some sport at the cost of this young kid who they didn't know or maybe didn't say it, they felt threatened by mm. because there's no question that's what was going on. But in other words, you could have gone, well, I'll play like this or I'll take this decision on the ball or I'll say this, I'll pass on this advice in a match mm. situation without a fear that they're going to go, mm. you talking? that's where you might have flourished more or a player like you might have flourished more. Yeah, I, I, I think so, yeah, because ultimately I think this is where if you look at coaching and, and the way coaches now um, talk to players compared to when I was playing, I think there is much there is a much more sophisticated approach to coaching than, than there was, not by everyone, um, but generally, you know, um, that, that sort of, there was a lot of fear attached to, to coaching, shouting and screaming at, at people. It was an army in public school culture, wasn't it? Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, Hierarchy, regiment, yeah, order, yeah. discipline. And, and so you had to, and it was all in, it was all this, you know, well, I've got to make you tough. You know, it was all about being tough and like, you know, we're well, going to play in front. People are going to be shouting. You say, well, I'll toughen you up. Well, actually, we've learned now that by, by creating positive environment for people, um, for players to, to discover by themselves rather than being told to do everything, right, there's a problem. Go and solve it. Okay, you can't solve it. Have you thought about doing it this I'll way? I'll give you some means. So I'll help rather you. than just shouting and screaming. That's Gwyn you're talking about. <laughs> well, there's, there's a group of coaches that I think... Of our generation who yeah, felt like yeah, it, absolutely. the abuse I'm giving you is actually because it could be worse out there and if I make you tougher, you'll, yeah, be, absolutely. you'll have a shell. Yeah, and, and look, there's, there, was a, there was a sort of a weird logic to that and you look at, you know, whether it's your education and teachers at school, you know, being much more aggressive in the way they were. So it's, it was a, it's a societal thing and a cultural thing. Um, but I, look, I find it really interesting now that, that coaches, are, you know, when, you, when you're doing coaching licenses or whatever, it's much more about 
getting getting players to feel that 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 they um, it's a, it's it's discovering and learning rather than being told and dictated to. Um, and and you look at you know I, I watch a, a Premier League game at the weekend that I'm working on, and you see players playing out from the back in the way they do mm-hmm. and making mistakes in areas that my football culture would be like wow I can't believe you've made a mistake there and that would be I'd be taken off if I'd done that <laughs> we yeah. would play for five games yeah. whereas they're like no do it again do it again so again it's this sort of we know by playing this way we're going to get out these occasions and the risks associated with that is once you might lose the ball and, and you concede a goal. But if, if I played a ball across my penalty area when I was 21 years of age in, in the first division, just a square ball across Whether the penalty right area, or didn't go right. I would be absolutely <laughs> destroyed. So it's almost like your, your innovation and, and your creativity could be coached out of you when we were playing, whereas now everyone has to play. Every, you know, centre-backs need to play, be, be technical players. And you could say that sometimes that goes a bit too far the other way, where actually I, I want to see people defend sometimes. <laughs> you know, and, and so, so I think all of that changes, but it all, it all ties up to the same thing about the, you know, what are the relationships like within the dressing room between coach and players, between... And, and, and is it less hierarchical? Um, and I think the great thing about young players for me is they've got a, they know they are. They're not frightened to be themselves. They've got their own identity. They're not fitting in with the crowd for the sake of it. They're not lemmings in that sense. I look at every player and I think, you know, you stand up and stand up for certain things that you believe in, whether that's Marcus Rashford doing what he's been doing. Stunning what he's been doing. Um, and there's, there's countless players now that I look at who think they stand... For something as a, as a as a person, not just you know who they are as a football player, and I think that's great. It comes with challenges because you've got you know the coaches have to be sophisticated enough to manage all those individual personalities. Um, but I but I think it's great. I mean, I, I, when I was at Chelsea, I wouldn't tell the players on a on a I'd go in on a Wednesday say for training and Tuesday afternoon I've been at the Tate Gallery looking at some art or I've been out to a jazz concert in Camden. I wouldn't tell the players that I'd done that for fear of the reprisal. Too dangerous. I'd be like, no, I was out, I went to the pub, had a few yeah, drinks. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, so, so I, couldn't be who I, I couldn't be honest. No. And if you can't be honest, you can't be the best player. You can't be your best, you know, the best. You're damping things level. down, particularly if they're the creative things. Absolutely. I, I would Absolutely. Argue. You know, and, and, and that, that's the sort of the challenge for all sport is... You know, I was accused of not being a team player because I, was, because I, had my own, I did my own thing outside of football. So that was the accusation levelled at me that, well, you're not a team player because you're not doing the same stuff as we're doing or doing it with us on a regular basis. But that was neither in training nor in matches. No, 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 no. That was in time, which is none of their business, to be be honest. eh? No, 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 that's right. But but again, it was the conditioning of this is what a footballer does and therefore... Band of brothers, betting, losing, birds, Mm. Wednesday afternoons on the lash. Yeah, yeah. The kind of banter that... Which... I think it's certain mm. clubs probably they got right. Mm. I remember we've lost recently a really good friend mm. and a guest here, Walter Smith. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I was a, a, a younger journalist mm. going to Turin and coming back with this is how Juventus yeah. do it and all your drinking and your Wednesdays mm. that afternoon's up. Initially, I felt the, the holiness of truth and yeah. uh, undoubtedly Juventus were fitter and stronger. Mm. They had better players, and it did cost Rangers in those days their ability to compete in the Champions League at a top level. But it 
you know, that band of brothers drinking and, mm. and jumping on cars and we kicked out of nightclubs and whatever did band them together, yeah, did yeah, yeah, give yeah. them yeah. however many in a row they won, not yeah. eight in a row or nine in a row, whatever it was. So, you know, you, you pay your money, you take your choice. It wasn't the way forward, it had to end, but you probably, in most cases, apart from some of the shit that went on around your junior mm. year, you can't say it, it was all completely wrong or pointless or whatever that you have to put context absolutely in, I no think. and and, and I, I completely agree and again it's not it's not a judgment in that sense you know it's not okay i'm not i i, I wouldn't judge those people in the sense that you know i think it was a, a result of of the of the culture rather than something that they were intentionally trying to do i was a yeah. you know so so again it, it was of its time it, it, yeah. it absolutely was and and i think with my background you know, growing up in Jersey, everything I went through, my outlook on life, I came in and I was different. And that difference, as you rightly say, was seen as, well, hang on, uh, there's a difference, let's let's sort of challenge that difference and, and sort of have a laugh at, at, at my expense. And that's, that's sort of fine to the point where it then becomes every day, every, you know, every time you go into training, you're getting, and, and that, that's the, that's where, where, I think that there's a difference between a band of brothers, everyone pulling together, but then other pe- other times, and definitely that first spell at Chelsea was people looking after their own backs. Yeah. And right, if if we put them down, that person down, and that person down, I'm still getting picked on a Saturday, and you're not. And so that's where it's unhealthy. When it's when it includes everyone, and I mm. would suggest that the success that Rangers had and well, it was inclusive. The, the I mean, okay, you had to sign up to the terms, yeah, no, but right. it was still everyone that's, was together. That's a fair point, um, you know. But but if if half a dozen people were like almost intentionally isolated from that, then that could be, become a problem, particularly you know for those people. Um, so it, so it's it's and look, we're dealing with you're dealing with this is the big difference. You're dealing with professional sport. These, this is, these are people's livelihoods. These are people's jobs. So they're going to fight for everything. And if some, you know, if, if, if a group of young players come along and, and, and look like they've got more talent than, than they've got, they're going to kick it out of you, aren't they? It's, it's a subject I want to pick up mm. with you briefly. We, we, we need to watch our time, but apparently in your very well um, put together book, Left Field, Shearer felt that about Sutton, which I hadn't known until mm. I read the book. Um, again, our sponsors, Bet365, I've asked... It's pretty blunt. Which achievement <laughs> meant the most to you in your career? Which achievement? Um, winning the Premier League, I would say. That would be my first sort of... And, and that's because it was built um, over, over time. So, and that feeds into what everything I've been, you know, everything I've been talking about yeah. with building something. It, it, you know, it, was a, it was... I mean, that was a, a real working, physical, high aspirational, highly demanding environment. Yeah. Um, so again, I think it's it's really important not to conflate my those experiences I had at Chelsea and and that sort of you know difference I suppose to actually going to a club like Blackburn, which was a you know a tough culture, but it was completely inclusive. Everyone was together, and and Kenny as our leader, Ray Harford as our you know father in chief, um, you know were both incredible. Um, they had incredible qualities, both very different. Um, Kenny, serial winner, you know, most inc- just the most amazing um, sort of mentor and, and ambassador, I suppose, for us to look up to. Demanding? Oh, yeah. Off the scale? Oh, yeah. He, would, he could be demanding in, in 
literally anything. You know, if you hadn't parked your car properly, he'd probably have a go at you. You know, he, he would. He was a detail, attention to detail, um, and could be could be really tough. You know, could be hard on you. Um, and Ray had this sort of this softer um, approach. And again, that's the beauty of good good um, coaching relationships is is the ability for for them to play different roles. And if it was you know good cop bad cop, Ray became our coach and didn't succeed but that he didn't have I don't think he had the same sort of qualities that that he needed you know he was too much one of us whereas whereas Kenny whilst he didn't behave any differently he no you know he never spoke about his successes or he never talked down to you um, but he just had that 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 sort of um, aura about him Kenny and and his way um, and and a real leader in that sense you know you didn't question Kenny's sort of direction you just went right when and, and how and then you did it before the rest of this big interview i'd like to tell you that our entire archive of audio and video content is now on our new youtube channel We've begun filming all of our interviews, and there are already loads of clips with guests, including Rio Ferdinand, Connor Cody, Brendan Rogers, and Jamie Carragher, plus full interviews for you to watch and to share. Please do share with friends. Go to YouTube and search Graham Hunter, or click on the link in the show notes to this episode and become a subscriber. I honestly think you'll enjoy it. Thanks. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. What we achieved there was a fourth place, a second place, and a first place in three years. And people talk about it, really annoys me when people talk about money. Oh, Jack Walker bought the league, you know, you just spent your way to success. 
absolute nonsense. <laughs> okay. We did spend, or well, the club did spend, you know, British record for Alan, um, subsequently a, a British record for, for Chris. So there was big chunks of money spent on, on, on some players. The rest of us were, a, 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 you used the word band of brothers, you know, we, we were, we were wor- hard-working, um, committed um, players that then got the best out of ourselves and each other on a, on a daily basis, not a weekly, but on a daily basis. So you look at myself from Blackburn, 600 grand. They, Chelsea bought me back for five and a half million. Jason Wilcox, Stuart Ripley, Colin Hendry, Tim Sherwood, Mark Atkins. I mean, I could go on and on and on about players that, that were inexpensive players and then we had they had they went out and got Kevin Gallagher Chris Sutton um, they bought Paul Warhurst um, and, and, and and sort of peppered the team with players that were you know costing more money but were delivering a, a sort of you know particularly Alan he was delivering exceptional performance Alan and, and he was you know we were geared up for him to succeed mm. in order for us to succeed ourselves mm. and no one had a problem with that no one was no one got above their station not not until we won the league <laughs> i think afterwards that was a different a different story things changed very quickly but the our ability and belief to go into any game we played home or away against a big club or or you know uh, or you know a smaller club we just went and played I think, from my taste, it's been forgotten a little bit because of the intensity of the dislike initially between Wenger and Ferguson, mm. because Alec is such an icon, because of mm. the latter-day battles, say, with Chelsea or yeah, yeah. With Manchester City. It's been forgotten that for a couple of seasons, the, I won't call it hatred, but the intensity of Blackburn Manchester United, mm. the games, the pursuit, the aggression, Fergie, who we know really well, and I grew up watching him at my club and mm. therefore I think it's fair to speak as if you're not quite inside his head but like the fact that Shearer turned him down yeah. that was personal yep. and those games there was one I remember I think Kevin scored in a 1-0 but mm. the, those matches have not been given their place no. in the Premier League pantheon mm. as they should have done I agree. because it was just Oof. us and you all okay yeah. There's another 36 games apart from these two, mm. and it did decide things. And, and they were they were they were the team that we set our barometer against because we we wanted to we wanted to topple them. And it wasn't like we were going we we never not in any for, for a second did we say well this season we can win the league. It wasn't about that. It was about putting in consistent results and. You know, the, if you look at the—I don't know what the statistics are—but if you look at the statistics, the statistics were fantastic. You know, the the, the wins, the goals, the you know, the way we played, defensive record. It was a complete start. season oh. performance, yeah. And people said, you know, oh, long, you're a long ball team, and my goodness, I mean, we played Nottingham Forest. I don't even know which season it was. We beat them seven, and it's the first and only time I think in a football match where I was on the halfway line, <laughs> feeling sorry for them. <laughs> Because they couldn't get out of their half, and and I was there because our right back had gone forward, so I'd put him on cover on the centre forward, along with one of our centre backs, and and every time they just about cleared the ball, we were on on them again, and we were just we just wore them down, wore them down, um, and beat them seven, and they were they were a good team then as well. It wasn't you know, and it was a it was a a demonstration I think of our understanding of of, of our tactical sort of plan, our physicality, yeah. and our quality. 
And just that relentless pursuit and demand placed on us by Kenny that every minute matters, every, every throw-in matters, every detail, and, and our training regime. I remember the first three days training up at Blackburn. Oh, I felt like I played a match every day for three days because training was so high intensity compared to what I'd left behind. What does high intensity mean in that terms of training? It just, just, just everybody was training at, 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 their, at their highest level. It wasn't, you know, in training you, you sort of, you stop, start, stop, start, you run certain patterns of play, then you'll have a, a you know, you'll change different drills. But the level at which the guys were doing all of these, these parts of the session was, was match tempo. Yeah. And that, that people go, oh yeah, you've got to train as you play, and it should always be. But it's really, really difficult to to to, to put in a hundred percent performance during training in every part across, of training. Across, across, again, across eight months. Uh, yeah, and it was of tiredness. It's habit, habit, oh. habit drop standards. Because here we are, yeah, yeah. and all right, a bit of chip chat, whatever, and you let an yeah. inch go, and then suddenly, and, and you've got to be able to turn it on when you're. You know, so the coaches have got you in situations and they're talking about something, and then you go, right, we're going to run this drill. And then you've, so you've got to be up to speed, you've got to go out and do it. You don't, you know, you don't sort of amble through it. Oh, I've got and, it now. All right, sorry, we'll just scratch that one. Yeah, up. yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And, and Kenny was barking all the time. They, Ray as well, you know, if you made them, if you sort of did something sloppy, it wasn't you couldn't make, and this is the big difference. I get it. It wasn't about making mistakes, it was about being sloppy. So, you know, make a mistake, don't make the same mistake again or make a mistake trying to do the right thing rather than you know being switching off so so we were under a tension that that was a good tension it was a productive and it was a, it was driving it was main, it was dry, and then and then you own it then you you set standards yourselves so if you give me the wrong pass i'm policing that i don't need kenny to be screaming you're wrong, whoever it is. Yeah, what? I know. I know yeah. that that pass to here it got to be as good as it can be because then it, it gives me my chance to do the next thing quickly. Whereas if it's just bobbled in, so I remember we played a game. We were, I think it was a it was a preseason match. Um, we were playing terribly. We were two 0 down. Two players had made awful mistakes. I remember thinking oh, they're going to get it half time. <laughs> and Kenny came in and had a go at me for a throw in. And I remember having the right hump. I think him. What are you having a go at me for? They're, they're the, I didn't say anything. Obviously, you never said anything. To Kenny. Um, I let it go, obviously. And then afterwards, I remember driving home, being furious, thinking, "Why is he picking on me for a throw-in when these two muppets made awful mm. mistakes?" And then by the by the time I'd got to the evening and I'd, I'd sort of settled down, I was like, "Actually, I know why he said that because that's sloppy." That was that was a mistake, completely preventable, and I've stitched up the person I'm throwing it to because I've had to take two, three touches to control the ball. Whereas actually, that should that's a set piece that should be on their inside, instep, chest, knee, whatever it is, that should be there without question. You see, Nash would understand this in North American industries. You see, do it right first time every time. Yeah, that's really what. Yeah, 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 and and. And the, 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 yeah, the, the, the sort of the level, you know, the, the, the gold standard was obviously Manchester United and, and, uh, and Sir Alec. And this was sort of something that we aspired to be. And, and, and we, we delivered performance that made us a threat to them. And they didn't like that uh, for obvious reasons. And they had that in bucket loads, that, that tenacity, that, you know, you go ahead against Man United, you know you've got to watch your shins for a while because... Yeah. Um, Roy Keane, Scholes, they're all flying at Beckham even, they're flying at Gary Neville, they're all flying into challenges and you watch them when they go a goal behind when back in the day they were they would react and they you know they, they took 
going behind and losing, they took it so personally, it hurt them so much that they would often lose their composure. Um, but they would fight mm. to get themselves back into a game. And we were like, okay, fine, we can do that. <laughs> and so we matched them. Yeah. We stood up to them. I, I mean, you know, Roy Keane um, is someone who could go and intimidate people all over the country with his, the way he played. And, and I'm sure if you asked Roy, I, he would have respected us as a team because he knew that it wouldn't work. He couldn't intimidate us. You know, it, it was okay, fine, we can deal with this. So we had, we had that balance between physicality, technical ability, um, togetherness. And that's why it's the massive, longest answer to a question ever. But, but from a pride point of view... Yeah. That's why that becomes, I think, you know, I've got, I've got other things that I'm really proud of, but that is a body of work. You've backed up, you've explained, <laughs> no, it, the, the sentiment that backs up the, this is mm. my best achievement, flooded out there. <laughs> we finish on, um, just analytically, because you're mm. working, amongst the many things you're doing, you're working for North American television, and it means that you're looking at quite a lot of mm. Premier League and quite a lot of Champions League football. I want to focus on one thing. What are the things you're liking or appreciating or enjoying about Tuchel and Chelsea? Wow, I think, I mean, it's been an incredible um, period, you know, from the day he took over. I talk a lot about identity, Mm -hmm. identity of the team, identity of the the tactical plan and getting getting the best out of the players and getting them to, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you get it, if you can keep getting it right... It, it, it provides an energy to then keep getting it right. Yeah. Um, so that momentum. Um, and from the day he took over, he he changed the system. He had one day and they played Wolves. Right. He went back three, brought all the experienced players in. I thought that was so clever because because mm-hmm. the, the club, uh, you know, before that, th- then it lost its way a little bit in terms of its identity. Frank, you know hadn't really galvanised the team around a set of plans a, a consistency around and look they'd done really well up to the Christmas didn't they and then mm-hmm. the wheels fell off but because fundamentally there wasn't that, that that understanding and where I admire Thomas is that he came in and instantly um, reconnected the players with the plan with the um, with the culture with the, got the best out of them and he talks about making the players feel safe I, inter- I interviewed him about maybe six weeks after he'd, he'd got the job maybe all a couple of months and he talked about that um, making the players feel safe and I thought it was a really interesting way of, of, of putting it because people think of football players as well you know they're, they're successful they're international they earn all this money you know they've got all this status how can they not feel safe um, and, and that says everything about Understanding your role in a team and other people's role in that team and the bonds between each of those units. And then I think you, from that you generate um, consistency and an approach that gets you through all the moments you face in, in football. Um, and, and so to see that change so quickly, I think, was a, was a massive insight into believing in something mm. convincing people that it's the right thing to believe in I think as a coach one of the biggest challenges now is you've got to be a salesman <laughs> you've got to sell you've got to your dreams and you've got to convince those yeah. guys that what they're buying <laughs> yeah. is going to serve them well and and if you don't and that's a, that's a tough dressing room that Chelsea dressing room mm-hmm. there's a lot of character and personality in there mm-hmm. and 
and and and having the ability to 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 empower and galvanise that, I think shows a set of skills that Thomas Tuchel's got that I. I was, you know, I didn't necessarily know that he had. I'd seen what he'd done at PSG, but I didn't expect him to do what he's done first time in the Premier League. And he's built a team that I tell you, one of the highlights for me of this Chelsea team was their one-one draw at Liverpool this season. If you think how well Liverpool have played this season, they went down. To Does have a man down, didn't they? So Reese uh, James got sent sent off um, for a handball on the line, and they played thirty-five minutes, I think, with ten men and created chances with ten men. And and I just thought I love. I love a back three. I'm sort of. I, I, I'm not saying I, if I was coaching, I wouldn't go into a club and go. And this is part of the problem, I think, with some coaches. You know, they learn a. They they have this system that they and, and it's like this. And this is how we're going to play. You've got to adapt. And and he did that brilliantly. You had that with Terry and Glenn. Uh, yes. Yeah. 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 We played. Yeah. I did. Yeah. Played both of those with Terry. The reason I was hesitating because Terry did Christmas tree as well. Yeah. <laughs> Which was I didn't quite know. I didn't quite know what that was in terms of what people were saying because it didn't feel like a Christmas tree formation no. to us. But it was yeah four three two one sort of thing. It, it looked on paper. Um, but then he played with a yeah played back three occasionally and then Glenn re- we played um, much World more Cup regularly yeah. back three, um, which again was brave and. What I think you have to do as a coach is is look at your personnel and how to get the best out of them. How do you make them feel safe? But also, how do you make them... Um, how do you allow the creative players to be more creative? How do you get create opportunities? Mm. Um, how do you create a defensive sort of security as a, as a team? And it's all about how you employ it. So I was at Manchester United the other day. They played a back three um, against City. I didn't have a problem with them playing a back three. I thought that was the right system, but they played it completely the wrong way with the wrong personnel mm-hmm. because they were passive. They ended up as a back eight <laughs> and allowed City to do what City do. So it didn't really have a centre forward. City put players in front of the back three yeah. who they didn't so know anyone to mark. What do we do? And, and mm-hmm. when you ally what United chose to two central midfielders, one of them isn't performing and doesn't yeah. look quite right, and the other one. Is having to compensate for him. Yeah. That idea, but no, you stay there. We yeah. see they're drifting there. One of us will come back there yeah. and break yeah. that up, and and that so that whole yeah. system breaks down. If you, if you watch Chelsea with a back three, how many times do you see Rudiger as the left-sided centre half engaging with a a, a, a false nine or yeah. or an, a midfield player like over the halfway line? He'll do it often. And, and destroying the oh, yeah, yeah. confidence, as, destroying as their ability question, to get yeah, a good touch. You're not, you know, and then and then around him, the safety thing is everybody else is like, yeah, yeah. Rudy's doing this, right? Yeah. This is what we'll do, and you may get Kanti <clears throat> coming in to yeah. help or pick up the pieces once yeah. Rudy gets done his destroy, and it's all functioning absolutely. And and that's what I love about whether it's Chelsea, Man City, Liverpool, seeing these exceptional football players playing in a way that gets the best out of each other and there's a there's an a, a giving that comes with that so whether it was Fergie's um, Man United team whether it was my Blackburn team whether it was the Arsenal team that's been every team that's been successful in in a campaign or over a period of time there's there's a there's a something more than the the ability of the players or the or the football. There's, there's, it's very hard to describe, but there's, an, there's another energy that's created that um, that delivers, that, that gives you that extra um, it's connection. A, it's a degree of all for one, one for all. That's not quite sufficient, but you have to self-sacrifice sometimes. Yeah, you do, and 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 you have to be prepared to 
to let go of what you've got to go and help someone else out. Mm. So you're risking something by saying, I'm, yeah. I'm going to leave this to help you, but I know that's the right thing to do. And it, it's, that, it's that honesty that, that comes from a, a, t- a real team performance. It's funny. Um, this, this is the end of, of the interview because of your time, because we've reached a, a really beautiful, natural, we've come right around mm. full circle. But to do this over ginger beer and tea <laughs> but to hear the beauty of football the thing that makes us go to grounds that makes us mm. s- s- love a club and, and dream about it or play your life to hear it beautifully broken down like that and have the hairs in the back of your neck stand up is, is a privilege uh, you're very good at this uh, this has been every bit as entertaining and clear and fun as we expected um, you've been hugely generous with your time um, our listeners are going to lap this up Um, thank you thank you thank you for listening to the big interview it's produced by me which sounds egotistical but it's also true Graham Hunter and Backpage our music is by Beer Jacket who else editing by Charlie McGarry thank you to our hosts at Acast and our loyal sponsors at Bet365. We're also supported by our socios. Find out how to become a socio, how to support us at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Here endeth the lesson. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.